listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Today we begin a new journey, and uh, we were in the book of John for a long time, for a really long time. In fact, it was the longest series we've ever done <laughs> as the mission, but today we begin a new journey, and uh, we're starting a series called Hold Fast, and uh, I wanted to use like somebody's knuckles like that had the tattoos, Hold Fast, you know, because some people have that, but apparently... That wasn't very cool or something, so, so I got some criticism for that idea, so I, I switched it up to, uh, hey, our projector has a black eye. It's, uh, it's half gone. Hey, all right, cool. We're just going to keep rolling like it's there. Um, anyways, but yeah, so I, I redesigned it to make it look a bit different or whatever, but, uh, but um, this journey, I'm really excited about it, and I've been waiting for it for a long time. Like, I feel like the Lord gave me this, this series, like just a couple of weeks into the John series, and I was like, oh man, I have to wait for a long time, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to, to get there. But it feels like now is the, to- the, now is the time, like the time is right for it. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited about it. And there's, there's so many things about church that can be confusing to people who haven't been around church their whole life. Like, Actually, I think Jesus himself would be confused a little bit by the modern church. Uh, <laughs> the present day might have some explaining to do if Jesus showed up to service this morning, but, but I digress. Um, but there are so many things about the church that can be confusing to people at first, like, like the language we use, why, why we sing songs and raise our hands, and why we eat a piece of bread and drink grape juice and call it wine, you know, every month. All these things can be confounding to people uh, and can feel very insider. You know, you know what I mean by that, insider? It can feel insider. And, and, and unless we take the time to break it down, they're going to continue to be confused and they're going to continue to feel like they're an outsider. And uh, I think another thing that can fall into that category is prayer, right? Um, you, you may have heard it said that there's power in prayer, but think about it from someone's perspective outside of the church. Why is that? Why is there power in prayer? What kind of power is it? Am I going to get muscles from it? Like, what kind of power is it? I'm not even sure what it means to pray, do I fold my hands? Do I close my eyes? Do I say the same words every time? Do I, can I say what I want, right? Different people have all sorts of opinions on what um, prayer means and how you do it, right? And, and, and over the next several weeks, our teaching team's goal is to challenge your preconceived notions uh, and help you hold fast to the power of prayer every day in your life. And here's why. Because the access to God that we are granted through Jesus in prayer is so easily taken for granted and dismissed. Think about it. We have the creator of everything's ear. 
through prayer. And sometimes that can be a chore, to say the least. Is that, is that ringing true with anybody else or just me? Am I the only sinner here or? No, okay, okay, okay. All right, thanks, Mark. Think about it this way, okay? Just, just uh, stick with me here. My family loves to go beach camping. We're not necessarily wilderness campers because there are animals in the wilderness and you know, there's bears and you have to hang your food in a tree and that seems like a lot of work. And, um, but we're beach campers, right? We love the ocean. My wife is completely solar powered. Um, she, she like on days like this, she's just like, uh, she doesn't want to get out of bed, but when the sun is out and she, she gets, she gets going. Right. And, and, and so we, we love the beach and, uh, one day we're hoping to get like a pop-up camper and take it adventuring up and down the West Coast, and that'll be so fun. But uh, my boys and I always go camping together. We call it man camping over spring break, and and uh, and we had so much fun. And and I got this I got this little gadget thing. I was so tired of using up the expensive gas in my car to charge my phone while we were camping. Does anybody anybody run their car to charge their phone while you're camping? And and so I got this. This little, uh, this little solar power charger, right? I'm thinking like the sun, right? There's no outlets, but the sun, right? So it was like, I don't know, 20 bucks on Amazon or something. And so I get it and, and it's so cool. And, and, and I was just, I, I have this, this little solar panel that charges my phone by the sun. Does that seem weird to anybody else? Like that, like, I, I don't know, but uh, we, I mean, solar power isn't new, right? Uh, it's been used in houses for years and years and in industrial places and stuff. Um, but this little bitty device absorbs the energy from the sun and uses its energy to charge my smartphone. Does that, I mean, that blows my mind a little bit. I, I, I think it's like, it, that's not just cool, it's like beyond cool, right? That's like nerdy cool. And, and, and did you know that the distance from the sun to the earth is, any guesses? Don't tell, don't tell them, Rich. Any guesses? Uh, 93 million miles. 93 million miles from the sun to the earth, right? Yeah, right. It's far. It's far. The speed of light, okay, the, the speed that light travels, 186,282 miles per second. 186,282 miles per second. That's how fast light travels. Just under 200,000 miles per second right? Light from the sun to my little solar power, solar charger on the earth, it takes eight minutes to reach us on earth. That, that light, so it's, the distance is how many miles? Nine, what, uh, 93 million I forgot for a second. <laughs> and then light speed travels 187,000 miles per second. 
Eight minutes it takes the sun to reach my little solar charger. And not only is the sun far, and stick with me on this. I realize, like, you're like, man, we didn't come to science class, man. We came to church. I want to hear about Jesus. But I'm getting there, I promise. Uh, Not only is the sun far, but the sun is big, right? It's, it's like really big. Did you know that, that over one million Earths can fit inside the sun? One million of the planet we're standing on right now. One million Earths can fit inside the sun. The sun also accounts for 99.86% of the mass of our solar system. Our whole solar system, over 99% of our solar system. And, and yet, I use that energy to charge my silly little device, right? Isn't that crazy? But here's the thing. The, the sun is truly enormous to us on planet Earth. But the same sun that gives us energy from 93 million miles away is actually just an average star in our galaxy. Just a run-of-the-mill star, right? And the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy, our sun is just one of over 200 billion stars, maybe more. And it's just an average star, right? Just like my grades in high school, right? Actually, they were below average, but but, uh, I got to be a good example to kids, so stay in school. Um, So one, one million Earths can fit inside the sun, but it's just an average star. Do you feel small yet? Do you feel small? I think it's so good for the human soul to sometimes remember our smallness, right? That's, why, that's honestly why I love the ocean, is I stand in front of the ocean and think, man, that thing's big and there's sharks in there. I'm staying right here, right? And I just, it just makes me feel small. I think it's good for our soul to remember how small we are sometimes. And, and you might be asking, what is any of this science stuff have to do with prayer. And here's the thing, is that the first step in grasping the power of prayer is remembering who it is we pray to. Remembering who it is that we pray to. Sometimes I think we can think about God in terms of how we think about the sun, right? Like, like he's big, he's always there, and he can do stuff for me similar to charging my phone, right? But like the sun, there is so much more to God that we take for granted, right? Throughout the Gospels, Lots of people saw Jesus in his physical form, in his human body, but only a few people throughout the entire Bible caught a glimpse of God in heaven. A couple of the most detailed accounts 
and descriptions were in visions from the Lord himself. And Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament, and the Lord came to him on his 30th birthday. What a present, right? I just turned 40. He didn't, he didn't come give me a vision or anything. I'm kind of jealous, but... Um, the Lord came to him on his 30th birthday with a vision of, of, of God in his throne room, right? And it's a really detailed account, and it's beautiful. I, I suggest you read the whole thing, but I just want to read a piece of it. And uh, so Ezekiel has spent all this time setting up what the throne room of God looks like. There's these four creatures, and they have wings and four faces and it's crazy and and it's just you know it's 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 just shockingly awe inspiring and and he gets to verse 26 in Ezekiel 1 and it says this and above the expanse over their heads he's talking about the creatures uh, there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like Sapphire and seated above the likeness of the of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance, and upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was a brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow. This, he, he's, he's referencing uh, the rainbow. Uh, uh, he, he's referencing a rainbow there, like the one that, that Noah saw. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? We're going to look at a lot of these type of things today. We're going to look at a lot of scripture and don't feel like you have to keep up with me. The only person that has to keep up with me scripture wise is James back there. So good luck, buddy. Um, the second vision was given to John, who was a disciple of Jesus and who wrote uh, the book we just spent 22 weeks in, right? Uh, um, John wrote a few other books in the Bible, and one of them being the last book, the, the book of Revelation. And, and uh, in, in the very first chapter of Revelation, John describes how God asked him to write down all that he saw and heard from the Lord in this vision, which in turn became the book of Revelation. And, and John goes on in detail about his vision of the Lord, Revelation 1, 12 through 18. Uh, then I turned to see the voice who was speaking to me. And, and, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hair of his head were, like, were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, 
and his voice was like the roar of many waters. I love that. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, and, the, and I have the keys of death and Hades. If that doesn't give you chills, you might want to check your pulse. I think we have some nurses in the room, if you don't know how. Like that, that is a description of the resurrected Jesus in heaven. And, you know, this, this picture of God is, is, is just incredible because that description is, it, it should awe inspire us. When, when, when you look throughout the Bible, there are a few commonalities in the descriptions of God. And, and, and we're just going to talk about a, a couple of them today. Uh, when we, whenever we encounter something about God in the Bible, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there are a few commonalities. And, and the first one is this, God is spirit. God is spirit. There is an otherness to God. There's an otherness. He, he isn't human. Yes, he created humans in his image, but he himself is not human. He's God. God never woke up having a bad hair day. God never woke up feeling like not God. He's, he's never been unsure of himself. God isn't human. There's an otherness to him that we cannot fully comprehend. This is why the Bible describes God as spirit, because there is nothing like him in all the heavens and the earth. Exodus 20, 4 through 6 says this. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God is saying in that moment, there is nothing out there like me. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The second one, second commonality that we see a lot, and, and honestly, I always knew this one, but it hit me in a really profound way about six months ago, and, and it's this, God is light. God is light. 
Light is another common word used when, when describing God um, throughout the Bible. Both Ezekiel and John described uh, around God a bright light, a bright light, right? And, and not just any light, it, it's a light that Paul describes in 1 Timothy as an unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. It says this in, in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 15 and 16. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Right? When I got up at 5 a.m. this morning and went into the bathroom and turned on the light, the light was so bright, I hid my eyes, right? Anybody been there? Like, oh my gosh. We used to have this kitchen back in New York that had these like T9 light bulbs in it, um, which are like apparently really bright garage industrial bulbs or whatever. And so literally I would flip that switch on and be like, ah, you know, it was so bright. But here's the thing is, is when I flipped on the bathroom light this morning, uh, I, my eyes eventually adjusted, right? And, and I was able to get ready for church and you all are very thankful for that. And uh, I smell good. Um, but eventually I was ready to get ready for church. And what that light didn't do, even with how bright it was and how sleepy my eyes were, it didn't drive me to the ground. It didn't drive me to the ground. It, it, it wasn't so bright that it stopped me in my tracks. That's the kind of light that is described around God, an unapproachable light, right? And, but God isn't just surrounded by light. The Bible says he is light, right? John 1, 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, right? Let's read that again. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and there is no right. This light that surrounds God and is God is often referred to as God's glory and majesty. I hope that makes you think about the reality of what we're singing about the next time we sing songs like Revelation song, right? The third commonality is God is love. Another word that the Bible describes God is, is that God is love and, and our culture has kind of taken this attribute of God and perverted it a little and, and to mean all kinds of things that it doesn't mean. But the truth is many 
of the most talked about characteristics of God, like grace, mercy, kindness, goodness, all of those stem from God's great love, right? 1 John 4.16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Amen? There is no other love like the love of God. And our last commonality is this. God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. This last one may confuse some of you because fire is usually associated with like hell and the devil, you know, and the devil's in the costumes people wear. He's red, you know, and he usually has some flames on him, right? But here's the thing is that there are a lot of occasions in the Bible where God reveals himself as fire, right? Fire is not God. God is like fire. The analogy of fire refers to the holiness and absolute righteousness of God's nature. Think about it. How did God reveal himself to Moses? A burning bush, right? How did God reveal himself to the prophets of Baal when Elijah called upon him at the soaking wet altar of wood that they had dumped bucket after bucket after bucket of water on. How did God come? Fire. It says this. This is Elijah speaking in 1 Kings 18, 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Get this. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face, faces down. They fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. God is completely holy and righteous. And because of this, he is the only one worthy of passing judgment. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want you to have any other gods but him. He is an unstoppable force, and his enemies don't stand a chance, right? These are just a few ways God is like an all-consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire, right? 
So here's the staggering thing, and, and I hope my goal this morning was to make you feel about God the same way some of you felt when I shared those facts about the sun with you. It was like, whoa, right? The first step in grasping the power of prayer is unboxing the God of our own making. The God that we can comprehend. Lots of times we take one of these things and we make that God. He's the God of love or he's the God of judgment or he's you know, the, the God of light. But in actuality, he's this and so much more. And his goodness is beyond compare. And what we've talked about, even, even these commonalities, like, I just know that it's a fraction, a minuscule fraction of who God truly is. When we approach God in prayer, we need to remind ourselves who we pray to. That is the first step. Come, we come to him in a humble manner, privileged to be in conversation with the creator. Right? But here's the amazing thing. This same God that I've been describing, this same God who is God of love and God of fire and God of light and God of spirit and the same God that I have been describe, describing this whole time wants to be in relationship individually with you. The most astounding thing about everything we've talked about today is that this God is personal. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5 that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Before you were formed, I knew you. Luke 12, 7 says this, that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Your hairs are numbered and God knows each number and the collective number. And that may not be that impressive depending on who you are. The same God that is surrounded by unapproachable light, a light so bright that it will drive you to the ground in reverence. How many examples did we read today about people who, when they met the presence of God, when they entered the presence of God, whether it be in a vision or on the mountainside like Moses or the, the prophets of Baal around Elijah, 
you see God, you're going down. You see God, you're going face down, unapproachable light. The same God who's surrounded by unapproachable light loves you and wants to be in a daily relationship with you. And that is possible because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Jesus made the way. He died on the cross. God God is, is holy. Remember, God is a fire, and he hates sin. He hates it. He is completely holy and righteous. He can't even have sin in his presence. But the same God sent his only son down to the earth in human form, fully man and fully God, to die on a cross for your and my sin, to remove your and my shame. Jesus Christ, through the cross, made the way for us to be in prayer, in relationship with God. The Bible talks a lot about high priest. And Jesus, in, in the New Testament, Jesus becomes our high priest because Jesus, the high priest, was the only one who was able to enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And Jesus becomes our high priest in the New Testament because he entered the presence of God for us. And our high priest, Jesus, in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says this, Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need Because of Jesus, we are invited into the throne room. You get that? You with me? You're pretty quiet. (laughs) The same God that we've spent about 30 minutes now describing. Because of Jesus, who is also God, I might add. But that's a whole other message. We are invited into the throne room because our sins can be forgiven and our shame can be washed away through him and we can stand in right relationship because of our high priest, Jesus Christ. So the next time you go to prayer, I want you to, if you wrote anything down, any of those scripture references, anything, I want you to remind yourself 
the next time you go to prayer, who it is you are praying to. And what a privilege it is to be in communication with the creator. That is the first step in grasping the power of prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the worship team comes. Father, I thank you for your word that is a light to our feet. Father, that you, you gave us this word, you, you breathed it out, Father, into creation so that we might know you and be able to know your character, Lord. Father, you, I, I just have to say, Lord, that you fill me with awe and wonder, Lord. Not just in the visions that Ezekiel and John had of you, Lord, but in the way I see you moving today in hearts and minds, Lord, in our community, Lord, here at the mission, in our city. But I thank you for the churches across our city, Lord, that are striving to bring the gospel to those who are forgotten, to the least, last, and lost. Father, that that the gospel may be heard by everyone, Lord. Father, I pray that you would further unite the churches in this city, Lord, under your banner to see the gospel furthered, Lord. Father, thank you that you are so beyond our comprehension, Lord. Thank you that there is an otherness to you. And yet you are so personal. And that you knew me before I was formed, Lord. Father, we know that your word isn't just true, it's truth, Lord. And so, Father, we cling tight to the truth about you that we know. Father, thank you through Jesus, our high priest, we can come into your throne room and bow before you. Lord, we want to join in the song that's been going on in heaven for thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands of years. Lord, glory, glory, glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we love you. I pray, Lord, that you, you allow this message, Father, that you that you have brought this morning to simmer in our souls as we move forward with the week, God. That it would stick, Lord. I pray, God, that anything that was of me falls off, Lord, 
and is forgotten, but I pray that what you want people to remember about yourself sticks. Jesus. We love you. We love you, God. Love you, Holy Spirit. And as we turn to our offering now, Lord, Father, we pray, Lord, that this would be an acceptable offering to you, Lord. We pray, we pray our prayers and our songs and our words and our actions and our deeds, Lord, would, would be an acceptable offering to you, Lord. And we, we pray, Lord, our giving now would be accepting, acceptable to you, Lord. We pray that you take this offering and that you send it out to the nations, Lord, and to our neighborhoods, Lord, so that it might further the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.